Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Garrett Post. And I'm Justin Ruderman. We have a packed episode for you guys this week. So many good storylines to talk about. Justin, we'll start off in the Premier League. Uh, Some great games this weekend. One of the big stories was Cristiano Ronaldo scoring his second consecutive hat trick at Old Trafford, this time against Norwich City. And it marks his 50th club hat trick in his career, which is uh, simply remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, uh, back-to-back hat tricks now at Old Trafford, the sixth player to ever do that in Premier League history. Uh, And it was necessary against Norwich, right? Because they scored two goals uh, and it needed Ronaldo's hat trick in order to beat the worst team in the league at home, uh, which doesn't say much for the form that United are in, but it does say a lot about the form that Cristiano Ronaldo is in. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they relied on, on him to do that, to escape Timu Puki and Kieran Dowell is a bit crazy, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, fair play. I mean, the third goal, honestly, I don't think should have gone in. I think Tim Krul should have saved that free kick. Uh, it was at his, his side of, of the goal. He, he, Ronaldo didn't go over the wall. He went to cruel side. He got two hands on it and just only pushed it further into the side netting. Like it wasn't, you know, like Ronaldo stuck at top bins or something. So that was poor from cruel, but you know, shooter shoot Ronaldo makes his own luck and, uh, you know, things go that way for him. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't had free kick luck recently. Has he? I mean, he that's the first club free kick goal he scored in two years. So uh it, maybe Cruel should have saved it. He Ronaldo hasn't been the guy uh to score free kick, so I'm not sure why he's still taking them for United, honestly. Uh, I've been wondering that for a while, but this one goes in and and he gets the headline uh as he should. And then news coming out of this that club as well. Uh, is Eric Ten Hag has now been confirmed by Fabrizio Romano, at least not, not confirmed by the club yet, but that should come uh, tomorrow. Likely uh, Eric Ten Hag will be the next manager of Manchester United next season. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Garrett? I know we discussed it a little bit last week, but it, it's official now, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really kind of interested to see what they do in the transfer market, especially considering, um, kind of the Ronaldo situation, because we know that Ten Hag, you know, really did his research and pretty thoroughly vetted United before agreeing to this. So I'm just really interested to to see or I guess find out what his kind of list of demands were in order to come to the club, because I think it was pretty obvious through that whole recruitment process that the cards were in Ten Hag's hand. You know, he wasn't desperate to join United on whatever terms United wanted him. And he, you know, set out here are the things that you need to promise me. Here's the backing I need. Here's the decisions I'm going to make that I need you to support. Right. Uh, It's, it's interesting. I mean, I think it'll be good for the youth of Manchester United. Uh, He'll he'll give chances and he'll try and develop the, the club rather than, you know, just develop the first 11, but it's going to take him time to bring United back. And that's just, I don't know how much time it's going to take him. And I don't know how much time he's going to be given. So those are the two, uh, questions, obviously. I think that, you know, he'll get more time than any United manager that we've seen in, in the recent past because they know that they're not, uh, you know, where they were. They're they're a little bit, they're not even Champions League probably, right? Which is a huge drop-off. I mean, that's what the Glazers really care about, isn't it, is, is Champions League. So 
he's going to get time to build them back because they know that it, they're not the same level. But uh, he's going to have to bring them back to Champions League within at least two years, probably one year. And then how quickly can he build them into a title contender within four or five years at the at the very latest? Probably he needs to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the most sensible long-term appointment that they've made since Fergie left. Um, you know, Ole long-term appointment, you just it just you know did well as the caretaker, but then they rushed the you know they jumped the gun on that, and and you kind of knew the writing was on the wall for Ole for a long time before he got sacked because you know United were right. consistently fourth place or whatever, and it just wasn't you know good enough. Um, it's I not think like they backed Hag, him in the window either. Yeah, no, not a ton. I mean, well, the, yeah. the beginning of, of this year they did with Sancho and, you know, Ronaldo Veron, et cetera. But that's kind of, you know, ten, he was just going. That's why, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's just Ten Hog, I think it, it, it is a sensible, you know, if they give him the time, I, I do back him. I, I think that he could be a manager that, given the right time, given the right backing uh, and a long term project, could, could be the one to turn United around. Um, so, you know, I definitely, I definitely think it's, I don't know if I could think of a better appointment that they could make at, at the moment, to be honest. I mean, it's not like the options are incredible at, right now, but, um, I, I, I definitely think it's the best decision that they've made in what, probably almost a decade at this point. So, wow. Yeah, that, that's a statement. I mean, it, it definitely could turn out to be, I think that it's the right appointment right now because there's nobody better. Uh, but I, I can't say it's gonna work out. I think there's a good chance he'll, you know, bring them back to to quality. But I can't be sure on it because no, he yeah, hasn't really yeah, been in, in a top league yet. No, I agree with that. And there's definitely still potential for it to crash and burn. But you know, you look at what he's done at Ajax, and that was a long term project. He's been there for a while, and mm-hmm. he took Ajax, who were you know a waning European superpower, a sleeping giant, if you will and developed some incredible players and took them to the Champions League semifinal and, you know, were one 90th minute miracle away from the Champions League final. So I, 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 def- I think it's a good appointment, um, as I just said. So I think with yeah. that, Justin, we can, we can move on to another managerial move, which is Burnley sacking Sean Dyche, which is crazy to me. I, I, I still can't wrap my head around it, um, although from an Everton perspective, when I found out the news, I was over the moon because I, I think, although they did end up uh, getting a point at West Ham this weekend, I still feel yeah. like it's kind of the final nail in the Burnley coffin. It's just the timing is so weird to me. I mean, look, what Sean Dyche has done for Burnley, he, he basically deserves a statue outside the ground. Um, oh, he but, does. He he does. So it's tough to, to let somebody like that go. And I get that, you know, if, if they're getting relegated, maybe that's the time you want to make the move. I understand that, but wait till you get relegated, let him try and save you guys. I mean, he's done it for countless years already. Why when you're the closest you've ever been uh, and you still have a small chance to, to stay up, why are you sacking him now? I mean, the other thing, Justin is, is they have gone down one other time under Dyche. They, when they first came up, they went back down immediately. And then they absolutely walked the championship the next year, came back up and haven't gone down since. So it's not like Sean Dyche 
is a manager who can't who can't have success in the championship. I mean, he's shown he's he's gotten Burnley promoted twice, right? And then he's stayed up, you know, for X amount of years. I mean, it's crazy. I've seen theories about um, people saying that, you know, it might be something beyond just football because there was no, you know, great thank you, Sean Dyche montage or anything on, on the Burnley social mm. accounts. It was just like one tweet, mm. which is really strange considering that, you know, Burn, uh, Sean Dyche is, you know, one of the most iconic Burnley managers probably in the history of the entire club. Obviously, I'm not yep. in, incredibly familiar with Burnley's early 1900s history, but... Um, you know, it's, it's a baffling, it's baffling timing. As you said, the way that it happened is baffling. It's just, I, I really don't know what Burnley are thinking, what those new owners are thinking. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll find out more news about why it happened in the future, but it, it is one that confuses a lot of people, including ourselves. I don't know if you've seen like the Bur- like Burnley fans reactions on Twitter, but you know, it felt like a lot of them, the, the reaction felt like one of their family members just like passed away or something like, wow. you know, that is, that is a, that is a hero in, in Burnley for that club, you know, not a big club who have been punching way above their weight class for, you know, almost a decade now. So it's just a, a crazy and, and really almost disgraceful way for it to end. I think Sean Dyche deserves a lot more than the way that he was just treated. Um, and, you know, with the way that this happened, it, you know, he deserves a statue outside that stadium, but I doubt he'll get one now. Like just, they just kind of dispose of him. Like he was garbage. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then back to the top four race. Uh, it just seems that we've been saying this for a while now. And I tweeted it out recently. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to get that fourth spot. It seems like everybody's just trying to bottle it whether it's uh, Spurs or Arsenal or United or West Ham, everyone's just trying to bottle. And it happened once again this week. Uh, Tottenham losing to Brighton and uh, Arsenal losing to Southampton, both 1-0 score lines. These are games that you have to win if you're trying to get into the Champions League. I mean, Man United tried to bottle it, if, if not for Ronaldo, as we already discussed. So, I just don't understand how, how all of these points are slipping away from these top four contenders. Uh, somebody's got to pull away. I mean, Brighton are the Champions League race equalizers at the moment. They've beaten Spurs and Arsenal in back-to-back weeks, which is a bit crazy. Uh, and the fact that, you know, United still only have a 4% chance to qualify according to 538, which, of you know, we uh, obviously love referencing. The fact that, Arsenal have lost what two in a row now? Uh, no, three in a row even, right? Because they lost to Palette. Yeah, okay. And then Spurs lose to Brighton, and and United still are on, way on the outside looking in is kind of crazy. But no, you're right. It's like they're all like, no, you take it. No, you take it. No, you take it. Uh, I, I think Spurs are are still in the best position. Um, but I've been beating this this drum for for weeks now, months even. That North London derby, Justin bigger than ever man that's gonna be a fun one yeah can't wait for that uh and there's a couple big games coming up uh this week as well in the top four race united have liverpool and arsenal will have chelsea so tough games there after they're you know not picking up all the points that they need to now now they've got tough games 
And speaking of Chelsea, Justin, I think that's our perfect segue to go over to the second legs of the Champions League quarterfinals. Um, Some crazy drama. We'll start with Chelsea at Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. And, you know, we talked about last week about, oh, you know, Chelsea, the tie is gone for them. You know, Madrid have it under control after winning 3-1 at Stamford Bridge. And then Chelsea flipped that basically on its head. They went up 3-0, a crazy game, but uh, Real Madrid would end up equalizing through Rodrigo to make it 4-4 on aggregate. And then a, a, a who else? Kareem Benzema goal in extra time may, means that Real Madrid will be facing your Manchester City in the Champions League semifinals. But this was an insane game. It really was. I mean... 3-1 at Stamford Bridge, going back to the Bernabeu, you think, okay, Real Madrid uh, have this. All they got to do is defend. They got they don't have to open up very much. Uh, I don't know how they're going to concede uh, three goals at home if, if they're, you know, just sitting, sitting deeper and defending. You completely abandoned your Chelsea pick and then 3-0 uh, to stop uh, by the 75th minute, Timo Werner getting that third goal. And it was, I mean, Modric said it himself, without that, the the uh, Rodrigo goal that he assisted, by the way, uh, unbelievable ball, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Real Madrid were dead. I mean, they they weren't in the tie until that goal. So, or at least in the in this game, they weren't in the game until until that goal, and they were going to lose the tie probably. Um, yeah, they were being yeah. dominated. Yeah, they really were. And then, of course, it was Benzema the savior, as it had to be. Right, the most informed striker and probably player in the world right now. Um, you just you just have to applaud him but yeah as you say that Modric ball was incredible Carragher was calling it basically the best ball he's ever seen in his life so I don't know about that but it's it it was one of the best I've seen this season I'd say that for sure Um, I mean the thing incredible but one thing we can't forget Justin is is Marcos Alonso's absolute banger which was ruled out for handball um, you know, if if that counts, you know, Chelsea win this, it never goes to extra time. Chelsea would be through and we would have a rematch of the Champions League final and the semifinals this year. Um, and, you know, a lot's been talked about it. We put out a, a poll on Twitter. Um, I think the, the vast majority, let me see if I can find the exact number right now, said that it was not handball. 81.3% said it should not have been handball. Um, I think by the laws at the moment, which obviously change every year, here's the crazy thing is, so the ball deflects incidentally off Alonzo's hand, although it's right next to his body. He then smacks it absolute top bins with his right foot on the, on the half volley. Um, And, but it doesn't count because he was the one who scored. Get this. If he taps it across to, I don't know who else could have been there. Mason Mount and he taps it in. It's a goal. If Alonso hits the crossbar and Werner taps it in, it's a goal. But Alonso smacking it top bins means it's not a goal. Where is the sense in that? Where? Well, this is why we have handball. The, the handball rule changes every single year now. It really does because there's a new incident, usually in the Champions League, where we have a handball in the box or something, and everyone's like, that doesn't make sense why that wasn't a goal. But according to the rules, it wasn't a goal. And that's, this, that is the case right here because did Alonso mean to handball it? No, but his, it certainly helped him in his uh, goal and in controlling the ball. And so the rule states, if 
uh, handball, whether intentional or not, directly leads to a goal, it does. It, the, the goal needs to be ruled out. Uh, and that's what happened in this case. So by rule, as you say, it was a handball. However, does it should it really be handball when he didn't know anything about it? I don't know. No, it, it shouldn't. And and for some reason, I thought at one point at the beginning of the year that the rule was changed so that it's only uh, if it's clearly. I mean, literally, the ball deflects at him from you know a foot away when when the ball like ricochets off the defender. I forget who it was, but I for, I thought for some reason that it would only be disallowed if the goal was scored with the hand, which makes sense. You can't you know, incidental or not score a goal with your hands that shouldn't count, but that where it just slightly helps him with the control. And then he absolutely scores just a banger. I don't know. It's super fishy to me. The handball rule is, I mean, really FIFA has got to figure this out, man, because it's changing every year and it's not getting any better. You know, it's always, it's just different, but still equally as bad. Um, So, you know, who knows where they go from here. Um, but I do think that Chelsea should feel hard done by um, not only for that, not counting, but in general, they outplayed Real Madrid over these two legs, you know, scoreline being what, it, you know, being what it was, but they had 49 shots over both legs. They had like wow. 60 something percent percent possession over both legs. You know, I think Chelsea deserves to go through. And as I said, Carlo Ancelotti, classic park the bus, get dominated, but Benzema and inshallah and somehow go through. I, it's, it's exactly what I predicted. Benz. I mean, you just have to hand it to Benzema, don't you? But Hey, I have to face him next round and, and I'm scared. So yeah, I would not be looking forward to that. If I were you. <laughs> yeah. I'm praying Ruben Diaz uh, is back because we're going to need his physicality for, to match up with Benzema uh, without him. It's, it's going to be tough. Uh, and then, the the upset of the round uh, was Villarreal beating Bayern. Uh, they got the last minute goal from Samuel Chukwueze in the 80th 88th minute uh, to to win it at uh, the Allianz Arena after Lewandowski had leveled it. To I mean I just don't know what to say about this game. I'm really at a loss for words because I never expected this, but. Unai Emery is the tournament manager. He is the best tournament manager in the world. I don't think there's a debate anymore. This is an, an incredible upset. Yeah, I mean, don't get it wrong. It's a it's a shite house. They had one shot on target in this game, and that happened to be the goal, which you know puts them two and up on aggregate, and, yeah. and they go through. You know, Bayern sixty eight percent possession, twenty three shots, but only four on target. Like that's that's poor. And and I don't really care if Villarreal are sitting super deep. When you're down one nil, you know, and you have Lewandowski and Nabry and Coman and Kimmich and Muller and all these incredible players, you have to be getting more than four of your 23 shots on target in a make or break Champions League quarterfinal. That's just poor from Bayern. I mean, hands down to, you know, credit to VRL. Obviously, we didn't expect this uh, at all. Even after the one nil result in Spain, we were like, ah, oh, it's still not going to be enough. You know, we saw what Bayern did to, to Salzburg in the second leg when they blew him away. We obviously weren't saying it was going to be seven nil, but, we, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I was disappointed, honestly, I should have, after picking VRL to beat Juve, I should have thrown sense out the window and just picked them again, ride that <laughs> wave. But I didn't, I mean, so, you know, what? Who, I'll, 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 I'll pick them to beat Liverpool. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want that as well, but two, manifestation. Two, sh- 
Yeah, two shots on target, two goals in the entire tie. I mean that that is it, a, it's a, a shite house. It, it's yeah, a shite I mean, house. granted they had twelve shots uh, in the first leg, that but still only one of those on target. So neither team could really get their shots on target, but uh, Villarreal were the ones able to bury their two on target. So just incredible. Is this the upset of the UCL of the of the entire season? Has to be right. I mean, surely, you know, Juve was one thing. Juve aren't what they used to be, and we know that. Um, and, and they're still kind of rebuilding with the Vlavic signing and whatnot. But Bayern are Bayern. I mean, this is a team that won a treble two years ago, you know, dominated the Champions League, mm. beat PSG in the final, and then they lose to a team that comes from a town of 50,000 people. That's insane. Um, it's crazy. It's It's a miracle, to be honest. So, I mean... It's the upset of the season for sure. I mean, it's one of the biggest Champions League upsets I think we've ever seen, especially in a knockout round. You know, you can talk about Sheriff's 90th minute banger at the Bernabeu way earlier in the group stage this year, if you recall that. But, you know, that that game, you know, didn't mean that much compared to a literal Champions League second leg, you know, knockout game in the quarterfinals. So, I mean, it it's not only, as I said, not only the biggest upset of the season it's one of the biggest upsets in champions league history yeah has to be and then on wednesday it was uh atletico madrid and man city playing to a nil nil draw uh in madrid it was just a really really cagey affair wasn't it i think that's the best way to describe it uh there was a little scuffle at the end felipe got sent off a little uh, scuffle <laughs> yeah it, it was a pretty big one i mean but but Man City found a way. Uh, they they defended. They kind of played a little bit of an Atletico way. The Atletico president was complaining after the game of, oh, look at them. They're just sitting back. They don't even want to play football, which was hilarious to hear from. So ironic. <laughs> hilarious to hear from an Atletico representative. Literally uh, had zero gonna... shots in the first leg, guys. <laughs> you literally had zero shots. Have some self-awareness. <laughs> Not to mention Savage should have been sent off. I don't know how he didn't get sent off. He already had a yellow when, he, when the scuffle happened, and then he's pulling Phil Foden off the pitch and uh, messing with Phil, uh, Jack Grealish's hair once again. Uh, he should have gotten a second yellow as Felipe did. So uh, I think that, you know, a fair result uh, was nil-nil because neither team really deserved to score and City deserved to go through. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong. I saw it was, I think there were seven bookings given out in second half stoppage time due to that scuffle, which wow. is a bit crazy. And then we saw... Uh, some video from the tunnel after of Versalco and Walker going at it and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, just oh yeah, uh, yeah. Not Savage, really. Savage you want to chased see. Grealish down the uh, tunnel and it was screaming. I mean, they had to be the the police had to get involved to separate, uh, hold Savage back, and then Scott Carson, the uh, Man City third string goalkeeper, the 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 legend, the he, he <laughs> the legend. was. I'm the veteran, the guy. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a bit more accurate. I think he's, he's a legend. He's a legend. But um, regardless, he, he was yelling at the athletic Atletico players to meet him outside. He was ready. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's comedic, but at the same time, you know, it's not scenes that you really want to see. These professionals having yeah. so little professionalism. Um, but no, you know, the 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 result was fair. The team that deserved to go through went through, um, and, and now, now City will be going from one side of Madrid to the other. So you no, know, as you I, say, 
because uh, City, Phil Foden and Jack Grealish especially, were given a lot of plaudits uh, in the Man City dressing room and the next day um, within the team for not reacting. Because Phil Foden, I mean, didn't react at all, and Grealish neither. Um, so that they were given a lot of praise uh, for, as you say, not reacting, because we don't want to see this from, from these professionals. And then the last quarterfinal was the second leg uh, between Liverpool and Benfica. Obviously, Liverpool took a commanding lead on the road um, in, in Portugal in the first leg, and they did enough to get the job done in the second leg, although Benfica did make it very interesting, scoring three goals on the night, um, which is a bit crazy, but, you know, with the two-goal lead in the first leg, it was more than enough for Liverpool to get through six, four on aggregate. They will face Villarreal in the next round, which I would love for Villarreal to pull off another upset. But I mean, Justin, this run for Liverpool is so favorable. Obviously they had inter in the first round, which you know isn't the easiest draw in the world, but it's not the hardest either. Serie A is not what it used to be at the moment. Um, you know, inter are starting some, some very washed up old players, Alexis Sanchez, Arturo Vidal, et cetera, et cetera. And then they have Benfica, right. Who are, you know, not even the most successful team in, in Portugal, which is not a top five league uh, in terms of European success. And now they have Villarreal who have never been this far in the champions league, who literally are from a town of 50,000 people. As I said, um, I mean, I look at West Ham's run to the Europa League final, and it's just as difficult, if not more difficult, than Liverpool's run to the Champions League final. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are FA Cup runs in England that are more difficult than this. Um, it, it, is, it has to be the easiest run to a Champions League final ever. I think, I mean, this is why, well, part of the reason that I always say, I mean, the league is the most important. It tells you who the best team in the country is. Uh, and and so when City win the league and Liverpool win the Champions League, as happened, uh, that means that City are the best team in in England. That doesn't mean Liverpool are the best team because they won Europe. Because this is a tournament. It takes luck. It takes uh, clutch goals for like like Benzema has showed us. Just because Chelsea were the better team, one guy can uh, find some clutch goals and carry his team. But Liverpool, I mean, basically have to win one really tough game to win the entire Champions League. Is that really the most prestigious trophy in Europe? Not to me. I mean, okay, but this is an anomaly. As you said, it's the easiest run. And of course, they're the ones who get it because that's just the history of Liverpool. But um, it's like, okay, how about this, Justin? The World Cup. Is the team that wins the World Cup not the best team in the world? They are, but that's the that's the only competition of all the team all the teams in the world, all the countries in the world. It's the only competition. Okay, but it, but if you're saying that cup competitions in general are, are based off, you know, but, luck and just being able to play a certain style because of knockout. No, not just uh, luck. Games but luck like is that. involved. Look, you have to be a great team to win the Champions League. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that it takes a, a better team and more consistency over an entire season to win a, a league than it does to win a Champions League. And that's why I will always value the, the league more than the Champions League. I mean, that's fine. But the Champions League is still undoubtedly the most prestigious trophy in, in the world outside of the World Cup, in my opinion. It's the most watched competition in the world. It's, you know, the, it is the biggest competition, the biggest yearly competition in the world. So I still think personally it's more prestigious. And I also think, 
you know, as much as Pep would never say it, I, I think Pep is, you know, probably trying to focus more on the Champions League this year than than any other season in the past. Um, and you know, I yeah, know you, I, you're you're going to disagree with that, still. but no, I don't disagree that than any season previously in the past. He wants the Champions League, but he's still fo- he's still focusing on the league. The league is always the most important thing to him, as he stated, as Klopp has stated, as almost every top manager in the world has stated. They will always focus on the league uh, because that that's the most important thing to them. I agree with, with what you're saying that the UCL is more prestigious. Uh, I just disagree that it should be um, because I, I think that what should be more most prestigious is what tells you who the, the best team in the country was uh, throughout the entire season. And that is what the league does. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Uh, one thing, Justin, is that you guys didn't focus enough, apparently, on the oh, FA Cup about it. because in the semifinal, uh, you guys played Liverpool again at uh, Wembley and it did not go your way. Liverpool getting off to a three nil lead in the first half, which is just a bit crazy. Um, and then, although you did, you were able to, to pull it back to three, two, thanks to a, what was actually a very nice finish from Jack Grealish on his left foot. And then a Bernardo Silva goal in the first minute of stoppage time in the second half, it wasn't enough. Um, and, and Liverpool will be going through to, to play Chelsea who beat palace um, so we have a rematch of the Carabao Cup final now in the FA Cup final, uh, which is, I think will be very interesting. That was a great game. Um, so hopefully it will be just as good this time around. Um, but you know, this springs a few questions for us. Firstly, Liverpool are still on for the quadruple. Could that actually happen? Um, and then also, you know, Chelsea, this is their last chance to win a trophy this year. Um, are they going to go all in on, on this cup final against Liverpool? Will they be able to win it? Uh, what are your kind of, what are, what are your thoughts on, on this final, on the semifinals even, and, and which way do you, do you see the final swinging come what may when it, when it is, I believe. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, this semifinal, I mean, it's, it's incredible that Man City even had a chance to uh, win this game because, you know, Jesus had a one V one with Allison uh, in the second half that he wasn't able to finish uh which would have made you know three three um and well it would it would have made three two at the time but then bernardo would have you know three three theoretically um and that to extra time who knows the reason that's so incredible is manchester city played the worst half of football i have ever seen them play under pep guardiola in that first half of the fa cup semifinal that was horrendous first of all look i mean well, okay. Well, okay. Firstly, firstly, I just have to interject real quick because you did concede three goals and a half at Goodison Park in 2017. So just putting that out there. And Everton <laughs> played better in that game than Liverpool did in this one. Everton actually played well to deserve that three nil lead. Liverpool played very average in the first half. Uh, and look, part of the reason, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is hurt. Kyle Walker's hurt. These. Uh, Ruben Diaz is still injured, not back. And Zach, and, and also Zach Steffen's giving away presents. So, well, right, of course that 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 was the reason that we lost is Zach Steffen had the worst game of his career and arguably the most important game of his career. Um, he made obviously that massive mistake allowed Monte to score and then was beaten on his near post as well when he shouldn't have. Uh, he, he should have been able to save. Uh, uh, it the, was a. I mean, that was a great finish from Mane though. Like the the body yeah, shape he, and the angle on that is so hard to do. And and he like that had a lot of power on it. It's not like it tr- trickled no, into the near post. Steph, like he he no, hit that. Stefan is not on his. 
Stefan's not on his near post uh, at all, and that's where he needs to be standing. The positioning is very far off. Um, but then as well, Rodri is benched. So really, there's there's one big decision uh, in benching Rodri, but the rest are injuries. So you're a depleted squad. But regardless, uh, that's that's not an excuse to perform as badly as Manchester City did. As I said, the worst half I've seen under Pep Guardiola. Uh, and so the fact they even had a chance to come back in this game is mind-boggling to me, but definitely deserve to lose. And then, yeah, that, as you say, Chelsea took care of business against Palace. We get a rematch of the Carabao Cup final in the FA Cup final. Liverpool won the Carabao Cup, which is why their quadruple is still on. Look, I think that the league is probably the most unlikely that they win because, as we've discussed, they had an easy run in the Champions League. They're already they're, they're in the final of the FA Cup. Um, but, excuse me, we'll see uh, if they can if they're able to take the league. I think the quadruple is, is definitely a possibility. I think that a, a treble is. Uh, almost likely at this point. It's a because, problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they will beat Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea are going to win that game, uh, even though, as you say, it's their only chance to win a trophy this season, uh, unless you count those early ones from this season that are really, you know, from last season where you, you get yeah, to play yeah. because, yeah. Super it, Cup, Club World Cup. What, what, yeah. That really counts as like last season because that's why it, they qualified for it. Exactly. Exactly. So, unless you count those, but really this season this is their only chance. Um, and it's interesting to me because I, I want to bring it up. I don't think they're going to win. And if they don't, I mean, what is, is Tuchel going to be in the hot seat? Because if Abramovich was still there, I would see Tuchel getting sacked at the end of the season. He, if he doesn't win a trophy, I mean, I've been saying it since everybody hyped him after winning the UCL. Uh, and another reason why the UCL is, is not, doesn't prove the best team. I mean, they had a good run. They played a very defensive style, which is a tournament style. That's it. It doesn't work in the league, which is why I never thought they would win the league this season. And they haven't performed as well as anybody thought. Um, but it, if I mean Chelsea had normally sack uh, managers quickly, they've sacked managers after winning the champion the season after winning Champions League before, um, even during the season. So I wouldn't be surprised had Abramovich still been here, uh, Tuchel getting sacked at the end of the season. With the new regime, I don't. Even, I mean, we don't even know who the new owners are going to be. Uh, it, it's it's kind of up in the air what Tuchel is, is his position, what the Chelsea's position is. But to me, he should be in the hot seat if he doesn't win a trophy this season. I mean, it, it's definitely an interesting conversation. I think the biggest thing you can hold against him is that the Lukaku signing has been a flop. It's been a huge waste of money. Um, that being said, I thought they deserved to win the Carabao Cup final. I thought they were the better team. Uh, Tuchel, another thing you can hold against him, putting Kepa on the pitch for that shootout was an awful mistake. He better not do it again it, it should, should the game go to penalties in the, in the FA Cup final. Um, but, you know, they were, they were, as you know we just talked about, they are very unlucky to, to get dumped out of the Champions League at, at, at the point that they did. Um, I mean, it's it's an interesting conversation, but you're right. Abramovich isn't there. So how the new owners approach it, I'm not sure. I feel like he'll probably get a little bit more leeway. I would be surprised to see him leave at the end of this season. I think probably the earliest we would see him leave is the end of next season, unless they're, you know, pulling a, a 2016 Chelsea and are in like 10th in the middle of the season or something, which I don't see happening. Um, so I understand your sentiment and saying, you know, Tuchel, you know, should be getting more eyebrows raised looking at him because, you know, he's not really been delivering. But at the same time, 
I, I think it would be a bit foolish of Chelsea to, to get rid of him so quickly after, you know, what he did last season. Cause you can't just discount the fact that he came into a team that were ninth, got them in the champions league and won the champions league of that current season. So, you know, as we talked about with 10 hog, you know, there's not that many other options. I mean, who would Chelsea bring in Pochettino after he gets sacked by PSG? That's not a good idea. So, you know, I, I understand that there should be questions asked of Tuchel, but him being on a hot seat or him being sacked, I, I think is, you know, one or two, maybe even three steps too far at this point. And then continuing on the manager talk that we've been on today, uh, moving to the MLS, it is your manager or was your manager, Garrett. Matias Almeida parted ways with uh, San Jose. He's been wanting to leave for a while, hasn't he? And San Jose finally let him leave. He almost fought with a fan during the last game uh, who, who was cussing him out. I mean, this is just a whole mess, but Matias Almeida is officially gone, isn't he? Yeah, thank God, to be honest. Good riddance. That's that's my opinion. I We've been talking about it. I officially think that Almeida is a fraud, at least in MLS, because he is not what he is built up to be. Um, you know, he came in with all these high expectations, CONCACAF manager of the year, won the CCL with Chivas and whatnot. But, you know, the Quakes have spent more than we ever have in the past. The Quakes Epicenter put out these great graphs of our total salary and then expected goal difference and the difference. And the thing is that our total salary is higher than it's been, you know, in the last decade, even. Obviously, that's because MLS salaries are, are going up and whatnot. But then, uh, and, and with that, the ex- our expected goal difference is lower than it's been since the beginning of this graph, which is 2015 when Dom Kinnear was our manager. Um, but then even when, you know, you account for like inflation, they put it and it's still our, our salaries have remained relatively consistent and our goal difference has been plummeting since Almeida's first season in 2019. So the fact of the matter is that we've spent the same or just as much as we had in the past, and the results have been worse. And so what's the common denominator? What's the reason for that? It's Almeida. His tactics don't work in the MLS. He never adjusted his tactics. He made questionable decision after questionable decision. I mean, watching Quakes games this year, it's like a broken record playing the same song on repeat every single week because it's have 64% possession, do nothing with it, and then get absolutely torched on the counter because you're playing Tanner Beeson at left back. I don't understand it. Uh, I, I am not upset about Almeida leaving. I'm totally fine with him with him being gone. And, and I do trust Chris Leach as the GM. I think that he's going to do a good job. I think that they're going to do a good job in, in finding a new manager. Um, they've already said they're going to definitely be looking for a different tactical style. Um, is what Leach said in his press conference. They said that, you know, they're going to take their time. They want MLS experience. And that's all things that I support. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to get a more sensible manager in because Almeida, you know, basically just threw caution to the wind and it bit him and it bit him bad. And he, you know, basically tried to blame it on the front office. Uh, he wanted to leave. The front office wanted him out. The fans don't like him because of his constant disrespect pretty much every offseason to the club. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't put his money where his mouth is because the results don't show that he's any better than the club. And, you know, we know that the club are at the bottom of MLS. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, 
you know, Almeida can, you know, I, I don't really care what he does for the rest of his career. I don't really like him. So, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm glad that this whole saga is over. Caution to the wind, as you say, uh, during his, his tenure in San Jose, uh, there were 3.3 goals a match. So he, I mean, he just was, as you say, caution to the wind, he would attack him and he didn't care about defending uh, the only team in MLS to average a higher goals per game during that span my LAFC at three and a half. So that's because you yeah. guys were scoring all of them instead of conceding. So uh, we conceded a lot last season, but <laughs> okay, both, that's both are true. Both are true. Both are true. Um, is, is that st- that's for LAFC last season? No, this is since Matias Almeida has been in. San oh, Jose. okay. Okay. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. But it's also like, if he's as good a manager as he says he is, especially with, with MLS, it's not like it's impossible for, clubs not spending as much to to break in and do well look at rsl last year for example i wouldn't say their squad last year was much better than ours is this year and yet they you know went on a crazy run at the end of the season knocked out some of the big boys meanwhile almeida is here for three and a half years only qualified for the playoffs once and we lost on penalties in the first round so you know like his he has not delivered what it was expected uh, and so that's why I'm just like, you know, what? I, I'm not upset about it two years ago. Maybe I would have been upset about it. Like, Oh, Almeida's the best manager we'll get, but I don't think that's true because he didn't adapt his style for MLS. He made bad decision after bad decision. He didn't even bother to learn the language. So, you know, what? I, I, I don't, I don't really care that he's gone. I'm, I'm happy. It's, you know, thank God I'm going to move on. Yeah. And we, we can move on because we're talking about how many goals are scored, but in this weekend, we had three matches consecutively that ended four that ended nil-nil, four of them total in the weekend, which is which is incredible for MLS, right? Because goals are generally scored uh, a lot. I mean, in the first 87 matches of this season that, that was leading up to this week, five of those were nil-nil. We had four this week. So I don't know if the the quality of defense in the MLS is improving or we just have more teams playing defensive styles, but it does seem like we're getting uh, fewer goals now. I don't know. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's goalkeeping because we've, we've discussed in the past that goalkeeping right. is one of the biggest Achilles heels in this league. Um, and, and that's a, that's a little bit of foreshadowing of the Tajiri Shradi discussion that we'll be having in a little bit. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's more coincidence. I, I, I wouldn't say MLS defending is, getting you know particularly better especially when like this week compared to last it, it just seems like a weird coincidence to me so uh if, if this trend no, that was continues compared the, that was compared to the previous all the all the games in this in the season there were five yeah total. so the point is that is that there weren't that many and then this week there just happened to be a lot it's a coincidence if, if it yeah. if this happens the next two weeks in a row then okay then we can start talking about it as it being a trend but just one anomalous weekend i i I don't think that you can really make any conclusions from it this early. You know, what is a trend is, is Chicago uh, because they are not conceding goals. Uh, and it is Gaga Slanina. Uh, that, that is the one goalkeeper that he really is shining. Uh, not even 18 years old. He's kept nine career MLS clean sheets, the most uh, of anybody in history before turning 21 uh, Chicago, I believe have the most clean sheets of anybody uh, this season, they're they're just not conceding goals uh, at all, really. 
there have only been seven goals scored in matches, including the Chicago Fire this season. Only two of those they've conceded. So, I mean, they're just not uh, uh, conceding goals. It's the fewest goals uh, a team has conceded after seven games in MLS history. Only two. That's wild. But, you know, I, I can't say it's all down to, to, to Gaga because, you know, Carson didn't have a shot on target and neither did Chicago for that matter. So, uh, you know, it's not like Slanina was, it was playing out of his mind this week. Obviously, you know, we know he's, he's been good otherwise. Um, but it's, I wouldn't say he's like the main reason for those clean sheets. They, Chicago are just much improved. Uh, I'd say in most areas of the pitch looks like, you know, they, they need some more attacking impetus uh, with that few amount of goals. Well, Shakiri's so out, right? So that, that really has hurt them uh, since he got injured. Um, yeah, but at so, the same time, he's he's n- not someone I would you know rely on to stay fit for a full MLS season true. with all the travel and whatnot. So like they they need to figure out a solution because I would be surprised if Shakiri played more than two thirds of the games this season. Yep. Uh, and then speaking of goals, Austin found the goals very late uh, against DC United. They were able to find three goals in the last 10 minutes at Audi field to snatch a three, two victory after Ola Kamara had put DC United up two nil uh, and, and then got himself sent off. Um, yeah. But the first of the first yellow card of which, cause it was a double yellow. The first of which was him taking his shirt off after scoring a first half goal. That is not a good idea. Look, <laughs> Mara, why are you doing that? <laughs> like it reminds me of, 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 uh, Matias Perez Garcia, who used to play for the Quakes, who scored like a 95th minute winner, basically to qualify us for the playoffs or, or it was like the game before decision day. And he was already on a yellow scores, a stoppage time winner, takes his shirt off and gets sent off and then gets suspended for the next game, which we needed to win to qualify for the playoffs. So it's just come on, oh, man. man. Like, yeah, that, you got to be dumber. you got to be smarter than that. Yeah. Uh, well, is it even dumber, though? Because, you well, know, you're already was, uh, I mean. Yeah, but it was it's the worse heat it's of the, the second moment. Yellow, isn't it? It's worse. Yeah, but it, but, the but it's the heat of the moment, and it's a huge, huge goal that he scored. Yeah. Ola Kamara scored a first half goal in the like eighth <laughs> week of the season, and he's taking his shirt off and then getting sent off in first half stoppage time. Like oh, it, they're man. both pretty dumb, but I feel like Ola Kamara, like like at least Perez Garcia had a good reason to take his shirt off. He had just oh, scored man, a ninety fifth minute winner in in the playoff race, so. Don't tell me MLS is an entertaining man. But with that, I mean, DC United now sit at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, even below Inter-Miami and Cincinnati, because Inter-Miami went and beat Seattle in Seattle. Unbelievable. Look, granted, it was a very heavily rotated Seattle team because they're focusing on the Champions League, as we've discussed. But that is no excuse. The, the team they put out is still much superior uh, to the, the Inter-Miami team. And they're at home better manager i mean what is the excuse for seattle to lose this game i i don't know and, and inner miami didn't even have a full bench they literally didn't even fill their bench they had six like uh seven players on the bench uh, seattle at nine and and also you know it's not like seattle didn't bring on the cavalry they they had both rolled ons ruznak ladero and rui diaz all come off the bench and they mm. still did not score. So, you know, yeah, rotated la la la, but you know, they still brought all their best players off the bench and couldn't score against, 
Miami, who are, you know, as we know, not good. And and this was, you know, Higuain didn't play in this game. Obviously, yeah. Matuidi didn't play in the, like like you look at Miami's squad and yeah, yeah, right, right. My my but my point is it's not like it's Miami relying on their uh, relying on superstars to to get victories yeah. like they have in the past, you know, the little amount of victories they've gotten. You know, the only player on on the inner Miami team sheet that is really notable is DeAndre Yedlin. I mean, Campana is like, okay, but well, I mean, no, this is, Robbie, no, I mean very... Robbie Robinson is their best player on, on the pitch there. So okay, I mean, but it's, still, it's just score. not, but it's just not, but it's just not a, and, and it's to just be fair, not a good 11. It's just not to be fair. Yedlin was the one who provided the assist beating his former team in his first game back in Seattle. Uh, there's a storyline there. No. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and, you know, it's not like, Miami have Miami have no good players, but I mean Seattle should be winning this game nine. Well, I yeah. guess nine times out of ten, this was the one, you know. And, and you know, as you said, rotated. They're fo- focusing on CCL, but you know, it, you can, we can't pretend that they didn't bring on Ladero, Rui Diaz, Roldan, Ruznak. You know, it's yeah, yeah, crazy result. And it brings up the question for me at least: Who is the worst team in MLS right now? Because oh, it's the Quakes. We haven't I won a game. To, yeah. I think it might have we to be. We haven't won a game. Is, but the thing is, they're not actually the worst team. They just have the worst manager, and now the manager's gone. So are they still the worst team? I mean, talent-wise, we're not the worst team. I mean, we'll right. see We'll see what happens for the rest of the year. I'm, I'm glad yeah. Almeida's gone so soon, actually, because it means we, we still do have a chance to turn the season around. Yeah. Um. And, and as I've said many times, it, the quality of the squad was not the issue. It's it's never it's not been the issue. It you could say in the past, sure, in you know twenty twenty whatever. But that's also because Almeida made crappy signings, Rios and Fierro. Like, come on, man. Um, <laughs> but but you know, Ibobisi is absolutely on fire right now. Dude has like yeah. six goals in his last four games or something. So I mean. On paper, no, we're not the worst team in the league. But the fact of the matter is that we're the only team without a win. We only have three points because and 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 three, you know, all three of those were basically scrapping draws from from games we should have lost. So um, hopefully we can turn it around. If we do, then, then you're going to have to really start looking at, at Vancouver probably uh, as the worst team in the league, which is a bit surprising. I, I didn't really expect them to be that that poor but with Miami somehow picking up wins against New England and Seattle who would have seen that coming a few weeks ago um yeah I, I I'd say really. as of now the quakes but my wishful thinking will say if we ask this question in a, in a, a month or so hopefully the answer would be Vancouver yeah I I mean I, I can never count Miami or Cincinnati out of this race and then DC United are below them both somehow but but I mean, the, that, that Inter-Miami win over New England ain't looking too nice right now because New England's sitting in 11th equal points with Miami. So Yeah. I mean, D- D.C. United do have a game in hand uh, over both Cincinnati, Miami, yeah. well, and New England as well, actually. Right, right. That is true. The other team, Justin, that is only on six games played in the East, so who also have a game in hand, are, are the current reigning champions who are currently in 10th on the outside looking into the playoff race. But they picked up a huge win over RSL this week. 6-0 battering at Yankee Stadium. Cassianos, four goals. Obviously, reigning Golden Boot winner last year. And, and, you know, just kind of picking up where he left off. Um, Obviously, you know, I don't think either of us really see him staying at at NYCFC for too much longer. Um, Justin, where do you think he might go? When do you think he might leave? 
I don't know. I think he's, I think he might be used as, as a make weight somewhere uh, to go maybe to South America, maybe river plate somewhere like that. Um, because he's obviously, you know, part of the city football group. And I think that he, he's attracting so much attention worldwide that city might use him uh, as a make weight to, to do something uh, in the market down there They you know, they've been involved in South America, but I mean, as you say, what a game this was because the largest win in NYCFC history, six nil, the largest lost loss in Real Salt Lake history. Uh, Castellanos becomes the, the first player to ever score multiple hat tricks for New York city. Obviously he remains the highest scorer since the beginning of last season. Stats can go on and on about these guys. Um, but yeah, they, they're finally able to focus on MLS after they got knocked out of the champions league and as they were focusing on, uh, but Castellanos, man, he, he really is a, a top player. And I think that there's no way he lasts uh, the entire season in, in New York city. I think he's gone by, by the end of the season. Yeah. Well, I mean, could be even before that, once the summer window opens up, you know, mid season, uh, right. we could see him make, making a move to Europe. Then maybe they'll do one of those things where, you know, he is officially acquired in the summer, but then stays throughout the end of the season and joins another uh, joins the, the club that he will be joining in January. We could see that happen. Although I think that was Brennan Aronson did that right. When, when moving to Salzburg, um, one funny thing I saw is I was on TikTok last night and RSL before the game, RSL's TikTok account posted something basically taking the piss out of uh, NYCFC's pathetic MLS Cup champions banner. And then mm. all the comments were just six nil, six nil, six nil. So it was quite funny. Yeah, well, I mean, as we said, bi- biggest loss in their in their history and biggest win in NYC. So it's it's a memorable result, uh, that one. And as it should be with Castellanos, four goals. Uh, and speaking of goals, he had four, but none of them were in the goal of the week consideration because there were a, a few good goals, two really incredible ones there. And there's um, a very close poll. Major League Soccer always puts out their poll for goal of the week. I know that Garrett and I have been debating this as well as debating it with people on Twitter, but Garrett, the two best goals of the week were... Erkan Kata, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, of Orlando, and Ishmael Tajuri Shradi of LAFC. Kata's uh, goal was a, a really nice, well-worked ball, team goal. Uh, Orlando just passing through Columbus, uh, six players touching the ball very quickly, uh, and Kara just finishing off in the top corner. Ishmael Tajuri Shradi, on the other hand, uh, an incredible ball over the top from Diego Palacios, about 50 yards, and... Uh, Tajuri Shradi on the half fall. He takes it left-footed and buries it uh, from about 20, 25 yards away from the goal uh, past Emilia. So, Garrett, I know what you're going to say already because we've discussed this, but what was the goal of the week? I mean, it's close. Firstly, Tajuri Shradi wasn't 25 yards out. He was just outside the box. Uh, but from the corner, so if you measure it from okay, the Okay, okay. Still. The angle um, was against it's, him. It's close. It's close. It, uh, you know, it's two very different types of goals. The Kara finish was impeccable, but that wasn't what made the goal, right? It was the Tiki Taka, like Arsenal versus Norwich. If you know that one, Jack Grealish goal uh, against Norwich from like 2014, which is Generous one of the best comparison. goals. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, you're obviously, but it's the same, it's the same vein, right? It's the same type of goal. Whereas to Jerry Schrotty is more of an, an individual effort. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and say that it's Tajuri Shradi, Justin, even though I voted for a Bobasi's free oh. kick because 
But the thing, Justin, is that although I'll give you, sure, I'll give you goal of the week, it's, it's the fourth best goal of this month. So saying goal of the season, which is what you've been tweeting, is nonsense in my opinion. Candidate. It's candidate. not a candidate because it's the fourth best goal of this month. Because last week, goal of the week, Alcivar's Olympico, better than Tajiri Girardi's. The week uh, before that, Jao Paulo's first time outside of the right foot, banger, bar down, top bins. That's better. And the, the goal that, that came second two weeks ago in goal of the week voting was Maxi Ruti's volley of the same vein as Jerry Schrotti's against the quakes, except it was further out and further in the corner. So it was basically to Jerry Schrotti's goal, but better. So it, it's, it's the fourth best goal of the month. I'll give you goal of the week. If you want it, it was a great goal. And I'm sure you had a great view of it sitting in the 32 52, but it's not a goal of the season candidate. I'm sorry to, to burst your bubble. I was, I did have a great view of it. I was, I was right over top of it. Uh, and it, it was, I mean, I, I thought about it when he was, when he, the ball came over the top, I was like, you know, he could hit this, but I don't think he will. And then he just unleashed the left foot. Um, so yeah, it was, it was incredible to see in person, uh, probably the second best goal I've ever seen in person behind Brian Rodriguez from last year, although it's, it's close. Um, but okay. But questions have to be asked of Tim Melia as well. Okay, His positioning okay. is is awful because this this isn't like bar down like absolute top bins. It's not exactly in the in the corner. Obviously, tough angle if you're going near post for it to be. But it's like middle height. It's it's if Mealy has a better position, he he could have caught this. Is my and that's well, another reason why I don't like. I don't think it's it, it. No, not even don't think. I'm 100 sure that it is not a goal of season candidate because it's it's the fourth best goal of the month. Well, I, all I know is I've seen multiple reporters, uh, including an account that we respect or a company that we respect immensely in the athletic, uh, saying that it's a goal of season candidate. So I, I didn't think I was being biased. Maybe I am being biased with that, but I'm not the only one saying it. But the point being, I understand what you're saying about Tamilia. Um, the ball was, was swerving and moving uh, and dipping. So I think it would be hard to catch. But I understand he he was central to the goal. I think that the not reason- even central. He was on his, He was on the far post. He was basically uh, on the far post. He was further on that side than than on his near post, which is ludicrous considering where Tajiri Shradi had the ball. Like you have yeah, to I cover. Think- no, I think that he was slightly uh, to, over from where he should have been, but I think the reason for that being that he is expecting a cross there. He's never expecting Ismail Shadri Shradi to shoot. Uh, LFC has been crossing all day. He's been positioning himself for those crosses. That's what he expected. He didn't expect Ismail Shadri Shradi to hit a half volley from the corner of the box, um, which, in my opinion, yes, is 25 yards away. Um, you can measure it with a, with a tape, and I'm sure it'll be co- come close. But it, it's... I, I, you just don't expect him to shoot from there. And that's what makes it so incredible for me. Yeah, no, it's the thinking. It's the thinking. It's he, he, he caught Tamelia totally out. It was, it was a brilliant thing to try and it came off obviously, but I just think the goal itself, I mean, cause Uruti's is, is, I don't know if you've seen that goal. It was against the earthquakes and, and he picks up a long ball over the top and blasts one right over Marcinkowski into the top corner. But the angle wasn't nearly it, as against him. But it was legitimately unsavable, where okay. Tajiri Shradi's is not unsavable. No, I, I understand that. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to win the goal of the year. I'm just saying I, I think that uh, it was a very well-hit ball. I understand it wasn't in the top corner, but it's the goal of the week for me. Um, 
I thought you were That's gonna say fine. Car. I'll, no, I thought I'll, you were gonna I'll, say I'll car. give you that. I thought you were. It's it's very close. It's very close. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I think the idea of the goal is more impressive than the actual strike. Just the thought the, of because I probably wouldn't have thought of hitting like if, if I were him, I wouldn't have hit that from there. I would have tried to probably, you know, loop one or maybe drive one across the box, which is, you know, as you said, what Tim Melia is expecting. But um, it, it, it's so goal of the week. That's that's well and fine. Looks like right now it's going to win the poll. It's at 38 yeah, well, percent. Car is at about 29 and a half. So, yeah, the poll was close. It, it's starting to the, the poll was with within one percent for the first few hours. Uh, to is starting to pull away now, but I, I mean, you guys also says, have a bit, you have a bigger Twitter presence than Orlando city. That's for sure. Uh, Orlando city are not a, are not a pushover fan base though. Um, but I, I understand your point. Uh, I see a, a comment that says it is a shame that there's no camera angle that really shows the ball's trajectory. It was pretty wild. I think that's a good comment because the, the ball, I don't know if you realize how much it was dipping and swerving, but I was right behind it in real life. And so I saw how, how much it was dipping and swerving. I don't know if there's a camera angle that shows that though, but e- either way, two fantastic goals uh, this week and a very good yeah. debate yeah. over which was better. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and I, and I think you're right. It is to Jerry Schrotty, but your, your tweet, you said only one of these has goal of season potential. You're obviously talking about a Bobacy, right? <laughs> hey, look, a Bobacy's goal was really a, a nice goal and would be. I mean, it was also poor, the- it's also poor goalkeeping, though. Like, it's, it's yeah. not like it was top bins. Like, I'll he, tell you he, what was he poor. went the keeper's side. What was poor was the commentating. You're, you're, oh my God. San Jose no, no, no. That was not our commentators. That was the two, that was the Twitter two to, uh, two to NA. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. And I there was like, like e- Ebo BC. Like I'm like, who is, who is like, Ebo BC? No, no. They, they had no idea what they were talking about. I, that, it was oh, painful that was to watch that game with the sound on. And it was painful. Not only that, MLS clipped it as their, as their audio clip for MLS goal of the week. That was their audio clip. Was him. Yeah, it was bad. And they were also mispronouncing. Oh, they were also mispronouncing uh, Gray Goosh's name the entire game. Not like the dude's been in MLS for like four or five years or anything, but they were saying Gregus. Who is Greg? Oh, Gregus passes the ball to Ebo BC. What is going on right now? <laughs> oh, man, they should just hire you to be the announcer because that is seriously, embarrassing. though. Yeah, it's um, so bad. Yeah, well. And then lastly, uh, news coming out of not just MLS, but Liga Mekis. Uh, it is the League's Cup announcement. It will be on August 3rd, Wednesday at SoFi Stadium. Uh, is the first soccer event at SoFi. We know that they, they don't host soccer events. They probably won't host a World Cup game because of how narrow uh, the field is there. Because, of course, it is an American football stadium. Depends if Cronky um, shells out to, to make adjustments, which it has been talked about. I, I read an article about this the other day, actually. Yeah, it's, it's possible, but I think Levi's is much more likely to be the main uh, host in California. I'm down for that. I want to yeah. go. Um, I mean, we'll go regardless of where it is, I think. But but it will be uh, two matchups on that day, LA Galaxy against Chivas and LAFC against Club America. Uh, so if you are a fan of, of either of those South South Southern California teams, excuse me, or those Liga Mekis teams, uh, go go and cop some tickets they're selling out pretty quickly and then i think that will conclude our episode we thank you for yep. listening uh we invite you to follow us on twitter at u90 football that's at u90 football uh we will be posting 
updates for whenever we have new episodes and news and highlights. We, we love doing some polls as we've been, uh, as we've been saying with these recent uh, goals or, or controversial VAR decisions so that we can uh, get everyone's opinions because it's great to hear from you guys uh, and get our listeners involved. We will be back next week. As we said, there's a, there's a couple games in the top four race that are uh, going to be very, very exciting. Uh, and, MLS always has drama. We don't know what to expect, but there will be something. So hopefully not as many nil, nil draws, right? Yeah, probably not. Uh, But we will see you next week. We thank you for listening.